Welcome to the Truth Wars Podcast with Dr. Olin Stubbs. Olin has recently published a new book titled Bible Crawling, Finding Joy in God by Journaling Through the Psalms. You can find Olin's book on whipandstock.com. That's W-I-P-F and stock.com, as well as amazon.com. Now, here's Olin. Father, hear our prayers right now. I pray that you would fill us full of the Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray you would help me to teach, help me to say everything that you want me to say in exactly the way you want me to say it, nothing more, nothing less. Lord, help us to hear. Help us not to be distracted. Help us not to be thinking about class or a date or food or whatever might go across our mind that might distract us from your word. I pray for just the next few minutes together uh, that we could block out everything else, that we could focus in on this story, whether it's the first time or the hundredth time that we have heard it, and no matter where we are in our personal uh, relationship with you, I pray that you would make your word come alive, say something fresh to us tonight. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 15, and we're going to look at probably uh, maybe the most famous story that Jesus ever told. We're actually going to look at three little short stories, okay? So I want to start out. Um, And look at just the first two stories. So this is Luke chapter 15, starting verse 1. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to hear him. So the first thing you hear there is there was one group of people that really liked Jesus. They loved to hang out with Jesus. They loved to listen to Jesus. The tax collectors and the sinners. Tax collectors were basically traitors to their nation who'd sold out to kind of work for the Romans. So they were hated by other Jewish people. And then sinners, using that context, meant people that were really sexually loose. And and a lot of times it meant prostitutes, okay? So it's kind of like the lowest forms of society love Jesus, okay? That's who we see in the first verse. Look at the second verse. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And so the other group that really didn't like Jesus, they really didn't understand Jesus, they had a hard time with Jesus, were the super religious people. Kind of the stuck-up, know-it-all, we already think we have all the answers, and we don't hang out with those bad people. Why does Jesus come around and do it? And so Jesus realizes what's going on, and he's like, I'm going to tell some stories to try to help the perspective here. So, verse 3. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine to the open country and go after the one that is lost? Until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Okay? And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So, first little short story says, Listen, a guy's got 100 sheep, one of them wanders off. What does the shepherd do? He leaves the 99 that are safe. He chases after the one. When he finds it, he picks it up. He brings it home. And he's so excited about it, he has a party. So, And he's about to tell a second parable, these little short stories that have a meaning. And it's going to have the exact same pattern. It's almost identical. And I want you to just see it happen. He says, there's something that's lost, and then there's something that's sought after, and there's something that's found, and there's something that's celebrated. All right, you see that pattern in the first one? Now let's see it come out, exact same pattern, in the second one, okay? So, skip down right where we left off, okay? Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. 
And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Same pattern, okay? Something gets lost, something gets looked for, something gets found, and then something gets rejoiced over, something gets celebrated. And the point that Jesus is trying to make to all these kind of stuck-up, arrogant, know-it-all religious people is that the heart of God gets excited when a sinner, a rebel, repents, it makes God happy. Let me give you a little personal story. Okay, Zoe said sometimes I share family stories. My wife, a few months ago, and I think this is true of most married women, one of, if not her favorite possession, is her wedding ring, engagement ring. Okay? And she lost it. And so she was searching the whole house for it for hours. And I was trying to help her. And at some point, I was like, I don't know where it is. And then at some point, she found it and she literally cried tears of joy. That's how happy she was that she found it. Okay? That's what Jesus is saying happens to the heart of Father God when somebody that has been far from him comes back to him. Okay, you see the pattern? Something gets lost, something gets sought, something gets found, something gets celebrated. Now, that was all kind of introduction to look at the long parable, this famous parable that probably most of us have heard before, and we're going to see the same pattern. And, and this will help you. Really what Jesus did in the first two parables, at some level what he was saying is, this is the perspective kind of from God's point of view. God is the person, in a sense, that feels like something is distant from him. He wants it. He seeks after it. He finds it. And when he finds it, he's happy. And now in this second parable, this much longer, and it's really going to turn out to be two parables as well, it's almost like Jesus flips it and he says, let me give you the same pattern, the same story, but from the human perspective, the way we experience it. Does that make sense? All right. Luke chapter 15. Let's pick up where we left off and keep going. So this is verse 11. And he said, there was a young man who had two sons. Excuse me, not a young man. Just There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Okay, so the first thing is, the young, there's a rich man. And back then, you didn't tend to have just a bunch of money and stocks. It didn't work that way. What you had for properties, you had land and sheep and cattle. And so the young son basically comes and says, Hey, Dad, I know when you die, I'm going to get a big inheritance. I'm going to get a lot of this stuff. But I don't want to wait till you're dead. I just want your stuff now. Now, this, this was really pretty arrogant for this young son to do this. But the father is so gracious. The father says, Okay, I'll liquidate a lot of the land, a lot of the cattle, Turn it into money, and I'll give it to you. Okay? And this is basically the son essentially saying, Hey, Dad, the reality is I don't even like you. I wish you were dead. I like your stuff. Right? I like the credit card, but I don't want a relationship with you. I just want your stuff. Can I get it? And the dad was humble enough. He said, Okay, if that's what you want, that's what I'll do. Let's keep going. Uh, Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property and reckless living. So this is a picture of the son. He's becoming lost. He's becoming separated from the father. I mean, he basically said, I want to move out of Israel. I want to get out of the Bible Belt. I want to get away from the people that I know, and they know me, and they know my daddy, and they kind of have the same kind of traditions and customs. And I want to move far away. I want to party my brains out. And let's just be honest. This is what a lot of people do today when they go off to college, right? 
Let me get far enough away where I can still have some of daddy's money, but I can get away from his rules and I can just party my brains out and hopefully he won't find out about it and I can have a lot of fun. So this is kind of a story about a college student. All right? Now, uh, keep going. Verse 14. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Now, some of you probably heard this story before, or maybe you haven't really, but you're really paying attention tonight, and you're like, hey, I heard that pattern you said. Something got lost. Okay, I see that. And the next thing is something got sought. And if you know the story, it's not going to be exactly the same because there's not going to be somebody going and actively seeking the sun. But here's what I want you to think about. None of us in our life, and we just heard this uh, testimony from Colby. You know, part of Colby's testimony was not that I saw Jesus uh, come down to Beach Project with his beard and his robe and his sandals, and he had a lantern. He's like, I'm looking for you, my son. Now, I've never met anybody that experiences salvation like that. The way that God tends to seek people from the human perspective is the first thing He does, He hurts you. Now, He doesn't hurt you out of anger as much as He hurts you to humble you, to break you, to get your attention. This guy's out there, all this money, partying his brains out, life for the party. But when the money dries up and then, oh, by the way, there's a famine, he can't even get any work and he's miserable. And if any of you have ever been to a big city, maybe you go to Atlanta or something like that, and there's homeless people downtown at night, and when you stop at a red light, they come up maybe with like a little squeegee or something and some newspaper, and they're like willing to wash your windows. You don't even want you. You're like, you may have just come from the car wash. You're like, I don't want you to wash my windows. They're so desperate for money, they're trying to force themselves on you. Like, I'll do anything just so I can get a few bucks. And that's kind of what this guy was in. He's like, hey, I'll do anything. Like, go feed the pigs. That was the worst thing for a Jewish guy he could do. One of the worst things. And it was like, hey, feed the pigs, and whatever's left over from the pigs, you can eat that. It's miserable. But God was working through the hardship to get this young man's attention. Let's keep going and see the next thing that God's going to do, orchestrating the circumstances. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, and listen, if you got your Bible and you underline, that's a great little phrase to underline right there. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So, listen, when God wants to seek after somebody, it's not just that he hurts you to humble you but He also will give hope in your heart. He'll let hope rise up. You see what happens to this boy? He's starving. He's broke. He's miserable. He's literally having to feed dirty old nasty pigs and fight them for like some leftover corn cob or something to eat. But in the midst of that, he said, you know what? I didn't even like my daddy. But now that I think about it, my daddy was a good daddy. He was a good boss. I mean, he even treated his employees with generosity. If you work for my daddy, you had a full belly and you didn't have to fight a stinking pig for it. My dad just had plenty of food and he would share it with even just his employees, much less his family. And so he says, what am I doing out here fighting with pigs for a corn cob? Why don't I get up and go back home and there's no way I could ever be a son again. That, that ship is sailed. 
But I can go back and beg mercy and just say, hey, Dad, I'll be one of your slaves because you even treat your slaves good. And he says, okay. He came to his senses. And guys, this is kind of a side note. Rebellion against God is the stupidest thing that we can do. It may feel smart in the moment, but in the long run, it's always a disaster. And the wisest thing any human being can ever do if they have walked away from God is to return, is to come to your senses and go back to Him. It's real wisdom. It's real smarts to go back to God. Quit running. Quit trying to run your life on your own. Okay. So, verse 20. And He arose, and He came to His Father. But while He was still a long way off, His Father saw Him and felt compassion. And then He ran, and He embraced Him, and He kissed Him. And the Son said to Him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before You. I am no longer worthy to be called Your Son. But the Father said to His servants, Bring quickly the best robe, and put it on Him, and put a ring on His hand, and shoes on His feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate, for this my Son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. He finds the sun. He starts to celebrate. You see what happens? It's like the sun is coming back, and I kind of have this mental image of the sun kind of walking, kind of taking baby steps because he's so overwhelmed with shame, and he probably literally has still got the mud and the pig slop on him, and he stinks. He's dressed in rags, just thinking, man, this is the walk of shame. He's kind of practicing his speech he's going to make, and his daddy is sitting on the porch, like looking for him, longing for him waiting for him and he sees him and the dad gets up and he sprints off the porch and he gets to the son and the son kind of goes into speech hey dad I'm so sorry and it's like the dad's like shut up I don't want to hear it he interrupts him he starts calling for his servants hey bring me the robe and this would have been like a family kind of festival robe almost like this really nice tuxedo that got passed down that every generation got married in okay whatever an old Jewish tuxedo would have looked like something like that and then he says, and bring me the ring. Now, that wasn't just like a cool ring. Back then, you didn't have credit cards. And the closest thing to a platinum card back then was daddy's signet ring. It's like if you got daddy's signet ring, you can go into town, you can buy something, and you put the seal on it, and you get it. He says, bring me some shoes. Because back then, a lot of times, servants didn't get to wear shoes. But sons did. He's like, I'm not taking you back as a hired hand. You're my boy. You were dead to me. Not because I wanted you to be dead, but because you ran from me. You're back. I love you. I embrace you. You're all in. He was lost. He was sought through the hard circumstances. He was found and he celebrated. Now, we could just end right there and it'd be really fun. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm excited hearing it again. Just, we could go celebrate. But the story keeps going because, remember, there was another brother. And this is actually, you know how a lot of times like now with the Avenger movies and stuff, like the movie's over, and then it's like, no, no, there's like the after movie or whatever, after the credits would always get on my nerves because I'm ready to go. I don't have to wait, but this one is worth waiting. All right, so here comes the second little piece of the story. Now, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants, and he asked what these things meant. So notice. He doesn't want to go into the party and find out. He's a son. It's his house. He's suspicious. He don't want to go in. He wants to ask. And the servant is going to speak in verse 27. And he said to him, Your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fattened calf 
That's like having the best party, the best wine, the best meat, the best food, everything. Because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him. Look at the same pattern happening again. Now the father is seeking the older son. Okay? But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. You know what's happening here? The younger son was like, Hey dad, I don't really care about you. I just want your stuff. So just give it to me. The older son looked a lot better because he would never talk that disrespectfully to his dad. He was a faithful son doing his job. But if you could drill down into the depths of his heart, he was just as wicked as the younger son. Because what he said is, I really don't care about you, dad. I'm just working my tail off for you so hopefully I can get some of your stuff and I can go have a party with my friends. On the outside, they looked like polar opposites. On the inside, they were identical. Let's keep going. But when this son of yours came who had devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this brother of yours was found, excuse me, was dead, and is alive he was lost and he's found. And just a couple more thoughts about this when we be done, okay? Part of what Jesus is trying to say to us, and really these four different little stories, is this. In the world, there's really two different kinds of sinners. Two different kinds of rebels. Two different kinds of lost children, spiritually speaking. On the outside, they look radically different. On the inside, they're identical. On the outside, you have one that's the party animal, the drunk, the girl that's sleeping around all the time, the cokehead, whatever. Everybody knows their life is a mess, including them. Right? I mean, even think about this. If, if you were to meet an actual prostitute, even in our sex-crazed culture today, they probably wouldn't brag on their job. If somebody flunks out of school because of their drug habit and has to go to rehab, they probably don't boast in that. They're kind of embarrassed. Took a little too far. But then there's a different kind of sinner. Remember, heart, just as bad. Outwardly, they look a lot better. They tend to go to campus outreach meetings. Maybe they go to church. They might be the president of their fraternity. Maybe they're the valedictorian. Maybe they got a 4.0. They're doing all the right stuff. But if you could drill down in their heart, they'd say, I don't really love God. I want God's stuff. I want God's blessings. But I don't want God himself. And, and maybe you can make a fair argument that in some sense, the stuck-up, self-righteous, smug, and arrogant sinner is really in a worse condition Because at least the outward rebel and screw-up, he knows he's a screw-up. And so does everybody else, right? He knows that he needs help. But this guy, he kind of thinks he has it all together. And again, did you notice? The sheep got found and celebrated. The coin got found and celebrated. The younger son who blew all the money, he got found and celebrated. The story ends and the older son was outside. He'd been found... The Father's love was there for him, but he refused to repent. He refused to be celebrated. He refused to come into the party because he wanted to stand on his own righteous deeds. Look at what a good son I am. And that's not the way it works. Here's the last thing that I want 
us to think about tonight because mainly this story, as much as it's telling us about two different types of sinner, sinners, it's telling us about something better. It's telling us about the one type of God. And this is what it's telling us. Remember, this was an honor-shame culture. So, what the listeners would have expected is when the younger son came to the dad and said, hey, I want all your stuff, he'd have backhanded him. Who do you think you are, boy? I'm not liquidating my stuff for you. When the young son came home, the father wouldn't have got up off the porch. He'd have sat there and made him walk the walk of shame. Made him practice the whole speech. Said, yeah, get out in the bunkhouse and we'll see if you can ever work this off. When the older son wouldn't even come into the party, he wouldn't say, I'm not going out there to beg him. He don't want to come to my party, fine. I'll just disown him. Because by that, the father, in a sense, could hold on to his honor and let the sons have the shame that they deserved. But you see, what's so beautiful about this father, and more importantly, what's so beautiful about Father God, is he's willing to shame himself to win his people's hearts back to him. Right? He was willing to give his gifts away. He was willing to jump off the porch and sprint. He was willing to take the son back in. He was willing to leave the party to beg the older son to come back in. And the reality is, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, left the party of heaven, came to earth, was willing to go to the cross, be stripped naked, be tortured, be literally shamed before all of history. And what was He doing? He was taking all the shame of all of His people on His back and saying, I will receive the curse of the Father for all this shame. So that in Him, when we trust in Him, when we repent, we can be celebrated, even though we don't deserve it. So the last thing I'd say to us is this, guys. Wherever you at, if you, if you tend to be more of the uh, you know, party animal, or if you tend to be more of the smug, stuck-up, self-righteous, humble yourself. Come and join the party, because He left the party for you. Let Him take your shame so that you can be covered in His righteousness and His honor that you don't deserve. But He's such a great older brother, He's willing to give it to you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love You. We love Your Word. We're not worthy of You. You're such a good God. You're such a good Savior. I pray for all of us, again, whether we've been hearing this for 40 plus years, or whether it's the first time that it really sinks in tonight, let there be a proper sense of excitement, joy, awe, humility, and celebration in our hearts. Draw every single one of us closer to you tonight, Lord Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Truth Wars with Dr. Olin Stubbs. We want to remind you to please leave a review for this podcast wherever you listen and to share this podcast with any friends or family that you think may be blessed by Olin's teaching.